Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. A series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. These episodes are inspired by interactions with ministry leaders from across the country. As they explore possibilities, learn from broad perspectives, take risks, and cultivate candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. Hi, friends. My name is Ryan Bonfilio, and I'm here with my amazing colleagues from the Ministry Collaborative, Mark Ramsey, Adam Borneman, Adam Mixon, and Jennifer Maxell. And we're here to talk about this idea of formation and deep formation as a commitment, not only in our lives of leadership, but also in our lives of faith. In the words of our colleague, formation that leads to curiosity and risk-taking rather than to stuckness means that as disciple makers or as pastor teachers or whatever, we have to relinquish our role as the one with the answers and have to start guiding people toward, and we've been doing this for a couple of years, it's funny, toward asking better questions without assuming answers, which guides us away from the certainty that people crave especially in times of transition or whatever. But it's actually, I think, a more faithful way. Yeah, and when you talk about that more faithful way, I think part of it is going against this idea of superficiality and really helping people to build the muscles, to be able to wrestle with the tough questions that we are facing. And I think that in so many instances, people just don't have the spiritual, intellectual, emotional muscles to really be able to do that deep work of really calling into question beliefs and ideas of really mining scripture to really get below just the kind of platitude type verse repetition that people give to really figure out, okay, what is really going on here? What was the original context? What is being spoken now? And really being able to do that deep, deep type of questioning. Jen, I love that. And I love particularly the image of we need to tone our muscles or or practice and get ourselves in shape for it. I think you're right. There's so much shallowness and fake piety in the religious realm, but also culturally, our culture loves to marinate us in shallowness. I mean, that's why Netflix allows four seconds after the end of one program before the next episode begins. You could watch every Nick Cage movie back to back to back and take (laughs) over a day and never know that you haven't left your couch. If we're not careful, we will float down to a level of shallowness that we barely recognize and then wonder. And unfortunately, when a crisis happens or there's some major disruption in our personal lives or in the life of the world, we're left floundering and wondering, how do I get to a deeper place so I can survive? Hey, man, shallow is good. I like to care bears. <laughs> I mean, shallow is comforting. But I think what comes from that is this type of obliviousness where whatever isn't on the surface doesn't exist. And I think it's that obliviousness that we're seeing now that is causing so many conflicts because, again, our remaining on the surface leaves so much unturned that is now requiring our attention. And so now we don't have the depth to really be able to give it the full attention and scope that it deserves. Yes. And we would do well to remind each other and help others 
to stop calibrating our cultural health in terms of left-right ideologies and things like that, because really the scale is this depth shallowness scale. We're seeing a lot of that, of course, coming out in the data of people's search for meaning. I actually think this is an incredible opportunity for discipleship formation because deep down people are aware of this growing gap between the desire for depth and the culture of shallowness. And back to Adam's word earlier about providing answers, this is not a time to provide answers about depth and shallowness. It's a time to come alongside people as they search for depth, as they search for truth. And frankly, as they're trying to follow Jesus, coming alongside them and helping them ask better questions about their own formation and the formation of their communities. And Adam, I think that's the key. Asking better questions is the key to deep formation. I think one of the greatest obstacles to deep formation is familiarity. This Mm -hmm. idea that we know what these texts are about, or we know what these traditions are about. When I teach Bible classes in seminary, I tell students that the most dangerous texts are the most familiar ones, because we simply stop reading them, because we assume we know what these stories are about. And so we skim it, even if we read it at all. And the rabbis, in speaking of the Torah, they would always say, turn it and turn it again, for all is in it. See through it, grow old and worn in it. And wouldn't we do better if that was sort of our mentality, not just of the scriptures, but of all of our traditions? Turn it and turn it again. Grow old in it and grow worn in it. And implicit in what each of you has said so far is finding depth is not an individual quest. We've mentioned, I know in a lot of our material, Dwight Shelley of Luther Seminary's article in August, talking about how all culture right now is going from an age of association, automatic joining, to an age of authenticity, which is largely seen as a personal quest. And Adam, you're exactly right. All the data reveals people are asking deeper questions than they have in generations. The church at our best is able to do that, but going deep requires a community. Because if I'm left to my own, I will find a nice, comfortable place where I can't be rattled. But in community, I have to come up against people with different perspectives, listen to them, learn from them, grow from them. The wonderful thing is churches know how to do this. The urgency is if we don't offer this to culture and not a lot of the other stuff right now, this question in culture, they'll give us one look and keep right on moving to something else. I think about this whole idea of discipling toward depth, and I've encountered so much unhealthiness between pastors and congregations, the way they teach and empower leadership. There's this willful kind of resignation to maintaining a certain amount of ignorance that sustains dependence. Adam said something earlier about changing our approach and realizing that we are guides coming alongside. We're partners in community. We're figuring this stuff out together. I know that type of language in and of itself makes a lot of pastors nervous. And I heard a lot of this language early on in the pandemic when people were grieving over not feeling essential or necessary or not being able to do their job because they couldn't physically be present with people. Well, I think some of it goes to our focus on gifts and not our focus on character formation. And to me, that is one of the things that the church has a huge opportunity to really be instrumental in that for 
a long time, we've been very focused on what people are gifted to do and what people are able to do. And it goes to what you're saying about how we have put people in leadership positions. Some people just based on what they do for a living. If this person does this for a living, then we feel they should be able to come in the church and do it in the church as well. But does that person have the character to one, be a leader in the congregation? And then does that person have the character to do whatever it is that we're asking them to do in the way that it needs to be done in our community? And so I think the role of the community, again, not just kind of to be an arbiter of character and to say, this is how we do it, but to also equip people to be ethical, to be just, to be moral, to be all of those things that we say is missing in the world. That is where I think we have a real opportunity for this deeply rooted formation. Mm. And Jen, as you say that, it reminds me of the distractions you mentioned earlier that will have to be removed. I think one of the biggest barriers in this deeper discipleship formation for ourselves and, and for the people that we serve with and the people that we serve in our congregations is helping them to be honest about the superficiality that is distracting them from a deeper, wiser, just path of discipleship. And I find that if we're honest, that is the biggest obstacle, is helping people name that and reject it. I was thinking that that superficiality is also a barrier to even engaging in church in the first place. I think a lot of younger folks see the superficiality of formation in the church. They see the church as a place where their deep, authentic questions have no place and aren't responded to. And I think that's what's keeping people away from church in many ways. I think people are leaving church because of the lack of superficiality. We somehow have gotten this wrong. We somehow have gotten to this thinking that in order to get people to come back to the church, we have to make it as easy and light as possible. And I don't think we could be more wrong about that. I think if there were actual depth in the church around formation, I think it would magnetize younger generations back to the church. And Ryan, no data supports that going light and easy is attractive. It may be in the short term, it is not in the long term. And I think this is one of the outcomes of the pandemic is that people are triaging in a much more focused and fine way than they have before. What do I want to have in my life and what do I not want to have in my life? That is why coming out, some rituals have been disrupted and even ignored. It's why some entities, businesses, organizations are closing and others are thriving because they're there's been a recalculation of priority. And the question is for the church, do we understand how we can be a priority? We've got to offer something meaningful. Then I want to press a little closer toward leadership and just ask that pointed question. Are we positioning ourselves to model this type of authenticity that encourages depth? Because I know a whole lot of us, Jennifer likes to use the term, wear a mask. A lot of us are keeping up a front and wearing masks. And we haven't even situated ourselves in the company of those whom we serve in ways that even makes us human. And then we lament that. But we've actually contributed to that problem. Can we be real? So in the remaining minutes we have, I'd like to ask a question. What do we say right now to the pastor who's listening to this, who has 16 things on her plate that weren't on her plate two years ago, and is feeling the cross current of politics being upstream of religion, so she's getting feedback, and that's the kind term, on almost any decision the church makes. And now we're here saying you've got to go deeper. 
we all agree with that. How do we help our colleagues with this in specific ways of leadership? Better questions. I mean, I think, Mark, you said something about people are making hard and fast decisions about what I need in my life and what I don't need, what I can commit time and energy to, what I'm not going to commit time and energy to. It's a gut check. What really matters? What really matters? And then giving ourselves to those things. And in some ways, having to stand there and let the chips fall where they may. I think a lot of it, to me, goes back to this idea of curiosity. And like I said earlier, being willing to take the adventure. You know, I think part of what is exhausting to so many clergy is now we have those 15 things in front of us and we're trying to figure out like, okay, which is the best option? Which one do I do? Which is the right one? And sometimes I think that is where we get stuck and that kind of clips us off. Whereas if we're really being up for the adventure of it all, it's not about finding the right one or finding the one. It's really kind of playing with the integration, finding the ingredients that gives the mix of what our particular congregation is in need of. Some congregations need to wrestle with some of the political stuff that's going on in our culture, because without being able to do that, they can't get to anything else. Some need to wrestle with these character moral questions that we're asking right now. I think each congregation is different, but being authentic to who we are in the space where we are, I think goes a long way. Mark, to your question about how do we do this, just a concrete example of this. I was talking to a United Methodist pastor friend yesterday who is really dreading some of the stuff that the UMC is going to go through over the next several months with his congregation probably getting involved with some arguments and just doesn't want to have to deal with it, but knows he's going to have to. And the conversation we ended up having was, well, what would happen if you aligned that process of conversations and discernment in a way that was actually moving towards deeper formation? You know, if you got to the end of this year and your congregation looked back and said, you know, I wouldn't go back to that, but I'm glad I was there because the spirit did something really unexpected and powerful among us. So to me, I think a lot of the issue for clergy is to get creative with how we can align or merge these things are going on and say, well, what if that was more geared towards formation, even if we've never done it that way before? And usually uh, pastors can point out a couple of things to say, you know what, that doesn't actually have to be like that. We're going to move this in a different direction so that it's more in line with who God is calling us to be. Mark, one concrete piece of advice I like to give to pastors is simply to show your work. Mm. Oftentimes in sermons or in teaching, pastors reach these big conclusions, important conclusions, but they don't always show or often show how they got there, Mm. how they got there from the scriptures, from their theological traditions. And I think in showing one's work, it helps to build deep formation among congregants, because you're inviting them into a thought process to make these connections. But it also helps with that problem of politics being upstream of religion, right? Because we can make conclusions, and if we don't show our work, it can easily conflate those theological conclusions with what we're hearing in politics. But if we show our work, it shows that our theological traditions should and ought to be upstream of our politics. I appreciate the seriousness by which we're tackling that question. I would add to that, and it goes along with what each of you has said, don't do it alone, Pastor. Uh, bring your congregation along. I refuse to believe there are not in every congregation people who are yearning to get to a different place with God. 
Yes, we, we know all the stereotypes about how there's shallowness, but there are people who have lost a child or is struggling with an illness or has chronic depression or an addiction or somebody in their circle does or have been chronically underemployed for years and they are wondering what next and what now and how. And if pastors can reach out to those people, and Ryan, that's great, and show their work, but also show the mutual struggle. Again, this is about we go deep together or we don't go deep at all. And I think I think going deep is actually among the best pastoral care that could be offered in this moment. It might sound a little bit corny, but I think we've gotten to a point in our superficiality, avoiding anything that causes discomfort or pain. And in a really kind of visceral way, and I think I learned this as a child, you have to address what makes you afraid. We can't keep ignoring the things that unsettle us. There's a reason that we may need to turn aside and start looking at those things. And that's scary, but it is also necessary. Following the path of least resistance is most often the wrong one. And we just can't keep avoiding things and expecting to go deeper. You know, I can't help but think that this conversation we're having right now is actually the type of conversations that all of our cohorts are having. So if I can put a little plug in here for the things that we're working on right now, you know, this is what it looks like to not go it alone into these hard questions. And, and not only to address the hard questions and have difficult conversations, but to then have a community around you who's willing to support, encourage, hold accountable, ask you, how's it going? What do you need? How can I be there for you? That, to me, as someone who's been in that type of environment, is just absolutely invaluable and transformative, and I'm reminded of the value of that in this sort of conversation. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.